Are you bored living a mediocre life? We were too, and we know how to change that. Each week, we'll leave our comfort zones to explore a new topic, then step onto our soapboxes, a safe space to sound off on our latest adventure. Come explore with us. All opinions are welcome. This is a mindset. This is a lifestyle. This is Siren Soapbox. Hello and welcome fellow explorers. Thank you for diving in with us today. Our mission is to explore beyond comfort zones. Let us inspire you to explore. Visit sirensoapbox.com. We have a link for a free month of Audible, information on upcoming challenges, a link for our coloring book, and information on our new magazine coming out this month. Join us now, guaranteed to spark some exploration. Movies like Beowulf and Fellowship of the Rings would paint the Viking funeral as follows. A warrior's body floats out into the sunset on a carved long boat adorned with jewels, mementos, possibly a sword or two, and attendees would stand in reverent silence as a skilled archer sends a flaming arrow magically into the air, lighting the whole thing up on fire. Historically, ancient Norse funerals draped their dead in clean clothing and often adorned them with jewels. Then the next step in the Viking funeral was usually cremation on a funeral pyre. Then the deceased fellow Vikings would dig a grave and have a funeral feast and maybe a sacrifice or two. That's according to joincake.com. But nowadays, the Viking funeral has been a symbolic way to burn your regrets and become the person you're meant to be. It all started when Kyle Sheely was facing his 30s, decided to build a 16-foot-long cardboard ship and say a fiery farewell to his 20s. He inspired so many people to let go of the things from their past that he decided to make an even bigger ship and help over 20,000 people let go of their regrets. In his book, Kyle talks about comfort zones, saying, if we don't stretch them out a little each day, eventually they'll lose their flexibility entirely, and it becomes extremely difficult to get them back to their original size. Facing our fear is not a one-and-done thing. It takes practice. This philosophy fits right in with Siren Soapbox, so we had to read How to Host a Viking Funeral, The Case for Burning Your Regrets, Chasing Your Crazy Ideas, and Becoming the Person You're Meant to Be by Kyle Sheely. And then, of course, we had to host our own Viking funeral. So let's hear how it went. But first, if at any time the conversation gets too intense, this safe word is... Mango. First up on her soapbox is myrrh. I was pretty excited when Elsie told us that our next challenge was to host a Viking funeral. I'm still holding out hope that I'm part Viking after all. So I started reading Kyle Sheely's book, How to Host a Viking Funeral, and immediately felt inspired. The book is a well-written story of how the regrets of others, perfect strangers, in fact, inspired a man to never get give up on his largest project, even though there were so many obstacles to overcome. This book helped me reflect on the fears, experiences, identities, relationships, and beliefs I continue to hold on to, even though they may be holding me back. And reading this book inspired me to let go of some things, but also inspired me to host my own Viking funeral. And I was so inspired by Kyle's project that I invited every one of my Facebook friends to join me in my backyard on Saturday. I didn't have very many people show up, but that's fine. Having people over to my house puts me way out of my comfort zone. So all day Saturday, I worried about the kitchen being finished because I had a leaky faucet. 
that I had to replace. I was worried about whether I was going to have time to clean, have time to build the Viking ship, which was sort of the center of the tension that night. Um, I worried about the grass not being cut, but amongst all the worry, I did manage to get all the things done. Mark helped me replace the kitchen faucet and I got the house cleaned. I didn't get the grass cut and I began to feel really bad about how bad my, I felt my yard looked. And it occurred to me that one thing I need to let go of is not feeling proud of my home. So I wrote it down for burning. And that night, a few of my favorite people came over to burn the things you're ready to let go of. I had some messages from people who couldn't be there. Uh, thanks to social media, they sent them over to me. Uh, one of my best friends suggested that we make this an annual event, which I thought was a pretty cool idea. And then we set fire to the ship and it felt like we were making room for the people we're ready to be. Sarah, what were you thinking when you saw we were ready? We are going to be doing a uh, Viking funeral episode. Well, when I first saw that this was an upcoming episode topic, I really had no idea what to expect. I'm pretty sure I missed a crucial planning meeting because all I knew about Viking funerals was what I'd learned from watching Game of Thrones. So when Elsie said something about doing our own version of one, I was a little bit concerned. Still slightly worried, I downloaded Kyle's audiobook. Just kidding. By that time, I kind of figured out what the book was about. I didn't really think I was going to be presiding over a funeral pyre. I have to say, I really enjoyed the book. I love the concept that we can literally burn our regrets in order to move on. I know I'm grossly oversimplifying it, but that's one of the ideas presented in the book. But the book is so much more than just that, and I love that about it too. It was so much fun listening to Kyle tell his story, everything from how he presented to his wife the initial idea for a funeral to mourn the death of his 20s, to the insightful ways that he approached many difficult topics that came up during the second Viking funeral project. As I thought about what regrets I had, or what part of my past I wanted to leave behind, eh, I had some trouble deciding what I was gonna put on the card. I kind of knew what I wanted to leave behind, I just wasn't sure I really knew how to. So I avoid get, avoided getting too uncomfortable and focused on inviting some friends to join me and bring their regrets. It was so much fun explaining the process and getting them excited about it. Much more fun than thinking about what I was going to leave behind. Next was building a Viking ship. Crafty is not my middle name, but I heard in a really great audiobook recently that asking for help is sometimes okay. So with a little or a lot of help from Bill, a beautiful cardboard Viking ship was created. She even had a paper towel sale. So when it came time for the ceremony, we had a total of 60 cars with regrets on them that went up in flames. I know that there were some very heartfelt, serious, possibly life-changing words that became ashes that night. Of course, there were some bill cards in there, his historical regrets, for instance, and while they weren't quite achievable, they sure were meaningful. Jess, how did you like the book? Well, I absolutely love this book and I found it super hard to put down, even though I did have total eclipse of the heart in my head for about three days. I finished the book in roughly three days and I love how Kyle broke it down into sections and talked about each regret and how to move past it. I found it fascinating how most people's regrets can be placed into categories and how that pointed out how connected we really are and we're more similar than we think. I also found it very interesting how there were so many synchronicities with all the other challenges we've done. I found the section on forgiveness the most challenging because this is something that I struggle with myself. But it wasn't what I decided to burn on my Viking ship. In creating my own ship, I found it 
actually really hard to figure out what I wanted to let go of. Maybe I had been letting go of regrets with all the other challenges we've done, or maybe I just need to work on admitting to myself what I need to let go of. <laughs> Either way, I did come up with something for my ship. And as I continued the process, I think I'm going to need to read the book again and just figure out what I'm confronted with. I think that I will probably have a better Viking funeral later because I did have trouble actually getting my ship to light on fire. <laughs> so I think it's just a sign that I need to try again. Elsie, haven't you done something like this before? Actually, yes. Uh, for our DNA episode, I tapped into my Italian roots and burned a Yule log along with my regrets from the following year, previous year. And the experience was pretty meh. But after reading How to Host a Viking Funeral and creating my own Viking ship out of cardboard, which mad props to cardboard artists because this is so difficult. And then I hosted my own Viking funeral. I'm incredibly moved by the entire experience. I used to be in the camp of badass people who believed no regrets. However, Kyle totally and completely changed my mind. Do I love the person I'm becoming and what I'm doing with my life? Yes. Do I think that because of what happened in my past, I am the way I am now? Yes. But there are most certainly life lessons that I learned along the way and moments that I am not proud of that I do regret. And I learned from this book that maybe it's not about no regrets after all, it's about making peace with your past. You can have regrets and still love the life you have now. Building my ship was difficult. It gave me a chance to bond with my son who is obsessed with dragons and has quite the imagination and creativity. He made nose holes and put a red smoke bomb in the head so it breathed out red smoke when we burned it. It looked awesome. When I sat down with my stack of note cards, it was like going to confession, except instead of being timid and hiding in my shell, regrets just kept flowing. After I was satisfied that I captured them all, the scientist in me wanted to write them all down again in a journal to document the occasion. And then I thought, what are you doing? That completely goes against this whole point of the ritual of letting go. So instead, I collected the ashes and I'm making watercolor paint out of them. That way I can create something beautiful out of all the regrets that were burned here. I cannot believe how much lighter and happier I feel after completing this project. I am so happy we did this. TC, did you like the book? I completely enjoyed this book. I challenged myself to listen to this book instead of reading it. So each morning when I ran my mile for the day, I listened while I ran. It was my own little experiment to see if listening to a book would help me forget that I'm struggling to breathe, my calves are burning, and sweat is dripping into my eyes and stinging them. And I discovered that, nope, it didn't make running any less painful. And I was still very aware of each wheezing breath I took. Instead, it prevented me from underlining, making notes in the margins, and Googling things as I went. I'm not giving up, though. I'm going to keep listening to audiobooks until I understand why people like them. But I did enjoy the book. I'll be honest and admit that I still struggle with his view that everyone, except perfect people and delusional people, have regrets. I've definitely made mistakes, but I can't really think of any that I regret. I've done embarrassing things, and when I think about those things now, I laugh. I've dated ridiculous people, but I've learned from all of them. When I consider all five categories of regrets that the author describes, beliefs, relationships, identities, experiences, fears, the closest I can come to regret is identities. 
The last few years have been difficult in this area as I constantly have to be purposeful with self-talk and remembering that others' ideas of me are not always accurate. The negativity has seeped in a time or two. When I read this section about the movie, Beauty is Embarrassing, I immediately wanted to watch the movie that made the author want to create. I played that part of the book out loud for my boyfriend, Dean. Then we pulled out the old projector, hooked up the computer, rented the movie, and watched it together. And I learned something new about Dino. Pee Wee Herman holds a special spot in his memories. His older brother, who is gone now, loved Pee Wee Herman. And now every time Dino sees Pee Wee Herman, it reminds him of his brother's impersonations and silly antics. They are good memories for him and it was fun to listen to him reminisce. One of my favorite parts of the book was the section about not feeling like you have to be the person you were five minutes ago. I love the idea of reinventing myself or at least my situation. Actually, I've done this several times in my life and I'm preparing to do it again. I love when I read something that I connect with and feel a little less unusual or alone in my ways. In the book, the author, Kyle Sheely, mentions having these same feelings. Kyle Sheely is an artist, author, and speaker who helps people tap into their own creativity to make the world a better and weirder place. He describes that he enjoys making things that live at the intersection of humor and heart. He has orchestrated events such as singing Don't Stop Believing with 37,000 friends, putting on a fake marathon with 34,477 internet strangers, taking a rescued VHS tape named Vernon all across the country to speak to speaking events, and having a Viking funeral for the regrets of over 20,000 people. Kyle is the kind of guy who sees things from a slightly different angle than most, but he doesn't stop there. He takes action and moves forward with wacky plans that just might save the world by adding to the overall happiness level of those who are lucky enough to find him. Kyle Sheely may or may not have a family curse over his head, but we feel very blessed to have him with us on this episode of Siren Soapbox. Please help me welcome Kyle Sheely. Welcome to the show, Kyle. Oh, thank you, ladies. It's so great to be here. That was, uh, it was really, really cool to listen to all of you guys talk about um, the book and and how you interacted with it. And and, um, it's a very strange experience to be an author and have something that you wrote, like in this room that that I'm sitting in, I wrote this uh, in the early months of the pandemic. And then to have people I've never met before, um, read it and interact with it and be moved by it in some way. It's, it's a, a strange and, and wonderful thing. Kyle, I'm curious, what is the regret that you added to the Viking ship? So uh, I have never been asked this before. Uh, and the true answer is I did not add any regrets to the Viking ship because I, um, like, uh, like Sarah said, uh, or is it Sarah or Sarah? Sarah. 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 So like Sarah said, uh, the building the ship became a distraction from actually writing down my own regrets. And I kept thinking, oh, I'll do my regret at the very end. And the thing just took all the way up until until like the moment that it burned. Um, and so I never actually added a regret of mine to the ship. If I had had to uh, add a regret, it would have been, and this is something I talked about in the book, um, an identity-based regret, which would just be, 
I, like a lot of people, this is one of the most common regrets that we got. Um, I struggle with caring too much about what other people think of me um, and and letting letting that sort of like take up space in my head when the truth is those people either aren't thinking of me uh, or they're thinking, you know, just generally positive things about me. Um, but I'm always in my head, I, I am convinced that it's just a matter of time until other people like come out in public and go, actually, we hate this guy. And so um, I don't know that that kind of weight of that. And there's there's a bunch of identity based stuff for me. Um, another one that I talk about in the book is is my struggle with identifying as an artist. That was something that took me forever to kind of come around on. Um, and so I think that would be another one. Um, just I like letting go of the idea that I'm not an artist because I'm, I'm not good enough. Or I'm not talented enough. or I'm not blank enough. Um, uh, and that would be something that that kind of just naturally got put away uh, over the course of the project, though. You had imposter syndrome, which is something I identify with a lot. I just started getting into watercolor art a couple years ago. And I mean, the, the ship is absolutely amazing from what I saw in the video. Like, how long did it take you to get that skilled in cardboard art to be able to do that? Um, you know, it, it was interesting. Um, you, you were talking about Beauty's Embarrassing um, and that I saw that movie and something like inside of me just changed. And, and that's kind of the barometer for me. Like the kind of art that I want to make is stuff that does that for other people. Um, like Beauty is Embarrassing. There are a few films that are like that or, or books that are like that or pieces of art that I've interacted with where I, I see it and then I immediately go like, oh, I want to make something like that thing inspired me to want to make it. So I watched that movie. I seriously probably watched that movie a dozen times in like a matter of a few weeks. Like I just watched it over and over and over again. My wife literally was like, please stop talking about Wayne White. And uh, and when I watched it the second or third time, I was like, in the movie, he makes a cardboard mask. And so I was like, I'm going to make a cardboard mask. So I made this like really tiny, really terrible looking cardboard mask. And, and then I just kind of got hooked and I caught the bug. And from there, it just kind of kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, and they weren't necessarily getting better. <laughs> they were just getting larger. And my wife was like, I'm noticing a, a sort of trajectory here. Like the first <laughs> mask was too small to fit on my head. And the last one that I made uh, at that time was, so big that I couldn't stand up when I was wearing it because I would hit the ceiling fan. And so anyways, that, that happened and they were kind of just still pretty crude, not very good masks. And then I met Wayne White um, through this random series of events that involved me breaking into an art gallery. And uh, I met Wayne White and then spent like a whole day working with him. And he's the guy in the documentary for those uh, who are listening who didn't know. And that is what sort of like in a, in, in a period of like six or eight hours of working with him, he completely leveled up my cardboarding experience and then overnight, like just got a lot better. Um, and so after that, I feel like in that one day, I learned so much from him that, that I probably cut, you know, three or four years off of my learning curve. And then, then stuff kind of just started getting bigger again. So I did bigger masks and I did an Abraham Lincoln mask. That was like, I think it was like five feet tall. Um, I had a giant beard that came down and a hat that came up. And, and then I started doing, like, I did a big centaur bike that I built out of cardboard and I built a big astronaut head out of cardboard. And I built the first Viking ship out of cardboard, the second Viking ship. And they just kind of kept getting more complex and more detailed uh, over time. So are you still building things out of cardboard and where do you keep all of these creations? What do you do with them when you're done? So uh, I am not currently building things out of cardboard. 
because of that second question, uh, because <laughs> I didn't have a place to put them. So my wife and I uh, bought some land a few years ago and we are building a house. It's like in the process of being built right now. And, and so in order to do that, we moved, we sold our old house and moved into a smaller rental space. And so we just have no place to put things. Um, and so until, and also after building two Viking ships in like three years, my wife was like, let's ease up on the Viking ships for a little while. And, uh, and so, no, I haven't, I'm, I'm like itching to get back to cardboarding now. Um, but I've, I've taken a little bit of time off recently. So what are you doing to, uh, scratch that? I need to create something itch in the meantime. Oh, I'm always working on something stupid. Uh, I last year I I posted a video about this the Centaur bike, which is I bought a tandem bicycle and I chopped the back seat off of it and built like a horse's butt back there, so that when you're riding on the front seat of the bike, it looks like you're a centaur and like the legs of the horse move with the pedals and everything. And I I I had made that six or eight years ago, I think eight years ago now. And I just was in a week where I didn't have anything to post on TikTok. And I was like, oh, I'll post this thing. And that video ended up doing like 10 million views. And so that bike had fallen apart a long time ago, but I was like, people seem to love it so much. In fact, Pee Wee Herman tweeted about this, <laughs> this thing, no connection through Wayne White. He just found it. And, uh, and so when that happened, I was like, oh, I've always wanted to rebuild this bike. So last year I actually spent like quite a bit of time uh, rebuilding the Centaur bike. Like I, I had to learn welding and metalwork and all this stuff to do it. So um, I've been, I've rebuilt, it's, it's probably 95% done now. It's got it's a metal core that's like uh, covered in fur and it has a big tail on the back. And um, nice. uh, it's, it's much more uh, uh, durable than the original one. So that's, I'm always making stuff like that. Um, making videos for TikTok is, has kind of scratched a little bit of the creative itch for me. Um, and then I'm, I'm working on new talks and new, uh, writing projects and, and stuff like that all the time. So Elsie is making paint out of the ashes from our Viking ships. I'm, I'm mailing my ashes to her. She's going to make the paint and mail it back to me. <clears throat> we watched that documentary. So now I'm thinking, what, what could I, what could I, what word or words could I paint onto a, a painting to sort of communicate what the ashes mean to me? Like maybe the word hope or some quote about the future. I don't know, but it'll be a mashup of, of you as an artist and Wayne White as an artist. And me as a origami artist, because my dragon head and tail were made of origami. And uh, that's the, the paint thing is such a cool idea. I wrote that down uh, because I saved a bunch of the ashes from my ship and I, they're literally in a drawer right here. And I didn't really know what I was going to do with them, but I just, a bunch of people were like, Hey, you should save ashes from this. And I was like, okay. So I hadn't really thought of what I was going to do with them. I, I was going to put them in an urn or something at some point, but man, the, the paint thing is really cool. And I think, uh, I love the idea of, of not like painting something, uh, reflective of like what the regret was, but more of like turning that into something beautiful, um, which is kind of the whole ethos and spirit of the project. So, um, that's, that's very, very cool. Not what I'm going to paint yet. I was thinking maybe a dragon just because my son loves it so much, but maybe a, a scene of where I want to live someday. Cause I'll be at an Island someday too, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> Off the coast of Florida, I'm guessing. Yes, the Florida Keys. Yeah. Not a lot of islands in Ohio. No, no, no they are not. 
unfortunately not. <laughs> and most of the water is cold and not clear. So there's it's that. A bad, that's a bad combo for scuba diving for sure. Yeah, but I still do it. I love it. <laughs> so cold. Yeah. I, I was just telling people today on my hike that I learned how to scuba dive with two layers of wetsuits and a hood and gloves in a quarry. <laughs> That's incredible. There's a, have, have any of you guys ever heard of or been to the Bonterre mines in, uh, yeah. In, oh yeah. That's in like my grandparents used to have a lake house in Bonterre and we went there, uh, and toured the mines. And I've ever since then, I've wanted to go scuba diving in there. Yeah. So when I, when I went scuba diving there, there was exactly one fish, one fish that lived there. And I guess every now and then they put fish in the mines, but they don't really survive, which is kind of sad and sick. There was one fish. So it it's was really cool. sad that there's one that's like I the loneliest story I've ever heard. And he lives <laughs> underground. So he can't even see other. Oh man. That's a Our very fish. sad story. I feel it like was- I want to get him a friend. <laughs> it was cool though to dive under there and think about how far below ground you were and see some of the old like you could see the tracks and everything from the old cars and there were a couple spots you really had to have good buoyancy to get through it was it was fun to do but once was enough it was cold yeah cold and dark and I'm yeah I'm sure that I'm sure it could uh, it could be a little scary in there for sure it's not open water diving you're diving. So it's one thing to dive in a cave because that's just a place where naturally the water has sort of eroded through and now you've got a space now. So this place had tracks. So clearly this was not somewhere that was supposed to have water. So this is somewhere that has flooded. That's the thing that freaks me out a little bit about water. When water is somewhere it's not supposed to be, it's creepier than shit. It was creepy. They filled it with water to make it a dive site, I believe. Like it, it was a, a mining. I can't remember what they, what they were mining there. Do you know what they're mining? There? I don't. I I don't know. It might. It may have been guano. That's a huge thing that gets mined around here. But I I actually think what happened. I don't think that they filled it with water to mine or to scuba dive. I think that they hit water and it filled up really fast. And that's why. <laughs> That's the story that they told us was that they hit water and the whole thing filled up because you can still see like there's picks in the side of the hill and there's like carts that are left down there. Like they had to get out of there real quick. I, that could be completely just a made up story that they tell because I was a little kid and I would I, that would have flown right over my head. But that's the story that I remember them telling was that, that they hit water and had to get out of there fast. That makes See? sense. Creepy. It is yeah, creepy. hard pass. Hard pass on both of those <laughs> cave diving and mine diving. No. Mm-mm. So they actually, you know, like with Patty, you can create certifications and they created a, I think it's called a deep earth certification or something. So of course I got that certification. <laughs> Obviously. At the, at the Bonterre mines. <laughs> That's awesome. So speaking of saving sad little lonely fish, do you have Vernon with you? Of course I do. <gasps> yes. <Yay! laughs> right here nice. the, uh, Vernon has not been traveling a lot during the pandemic even though he is hermetically sealed so I feel like he's probably not gonna get the virus but um, right uh, yeah he's good to go but yeah he's he uh, stays right over here um, across from my this is actually not my desk face is this way uh, my chair normally sits over there but this is a prettier background so he sits <laughs> over where I'm like facing him all the time uh, along with 
a, a couple other just dumb mementos from uh, different projects. One of my favorites, and this this actually sort of ties into, uh, I don't know, and, and it's a it's a little bit of a stretch, but regrets and and thinking about your life and stuff is um, this picture. My friend Jesse and I, we have this tradition of sending each other the dumbest Facebook Marketplace post that we can find, <laughs> and and it, sometimes it's just like somebody will accidentally post like a personal picture in the midst of a bunch of other, it'll be like four pictures of the couch and then just like one picture from a barbecue or something. That's really funny. Um, and, and sometimes it's people who don't realize what the thing that they have is and they'll call it something else. But this one is probably like my all time favorite. And it's a picture of FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And it was titled picture of a random guy, $5. And, <laughs> and as soon as I saw it, I was like, one, this is incredible. Uh, like picture it's $5. First of all, like selling anything on Facebook marketplace for $5 is not worth it. Like the amount of time that you're going to have to put into answering messages and stuff. And so $5, but then this is like the least random guy of all time. Like he's the only (laughs) president to be elected to three terms. He like got us through the great depression. And like, he, I mean, all this like legendary dude, and, and, you know, this, this woman, just, uh, some random guy. So I messaged her and I was like, I want to buy this thing. And then she didn't message me back. And, and I was like posting about this on, on Instagram and I'm getting all these people who are like, dude, I'm, I'm hooked. Like, you got to let me know what happens with this. I'm following along. And then she marked it as pending and she had never messaged me. So I was like, Oh no, like someone else bought this before I could get to it. So I messaged her back and I was like, I will jump the line. I was like, I'll pay you $50 if you'll let me jump the line (laughs) and get this in front of this other person. And she was just like, okay, sure. Like she had no idea why this was so important to me. And it's like the dumbest, I'll grab it. It's The the best part is like, she wasn't even curious enough to ask, like, why are you willing to give me 55 bucks for this thing? Yeah, that's hilarious. And it's just like a really crappy print of FDR, but- I don't know. I think about, I, I love this because it reminds me of uh, my friend, Brad Montague, who's like, you should have him on the show. He's, he's a genius um, and just like a creative powerhouse. But he, uh, he has this bit in a talk that he gives where he talks about, he was at a, I think a thrift store or something one time. And they had um, a rack of cassette tapes and there was John Denver's greatest hits and it was 50 cents. And, and then next to it uh, were blank cassette tapes and the blank cassette tapes were a dollar. And, and, and he always goes, this was a man's life work. <laughs> so I think about that a lot. Just that like, man, like there's nothing that you can do that like if FDR is now random guy, like if he is random guy, there's nothing that I can do that's going to last as long as what FDR did. So it kind of and like if if John Denver's greatest hits is worth less than just a blank cassette tape. Man, there's some people get really bummed out by that and they, that makes them sad. And to me, it's kind of freeing because you're like, oh, you know what? There's not all this pressure. There's not, not as much pressure as you think, because no matter what you do, <laughs> it's all going to fade away. So do the best that you can. But someday we're all going to be random guy uh, if we're even that <laughs> lucky, you know. That's hilarious. So some of like one of my favorite parts about the book is just some of the stories you told about these like going into a parking lot and turning around and playing that song over and over and over again, because it said, turn around. No. It's a total yeah, eclipse yeah. of the heart. Yeah. yeah. Cause it goes, yeah. 
turn around. <laughs> I know. Yeah. yeah. So don't get it in my head again. <laughs> <laughs> Once you get to the end of the book, you're kind of like, well, now I can't read any more of these stories of whatever Kyle Sheely is up to. So what is that? You just follow the TikTok or the, I mean, how do we hear your stories now? Are you writing TikTok. another book? What's happening? Yeah. TikTok is probably the best place. I'll write another book eventually, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it's so funny because I've just always done stuff like that. And I never, like nobody really cared for a long time. Like my friends would think it was funny or whatever. And, and, uh, you know, I would get a little bit of internet attention here and there, but it wasn't ever that big of a deal. And then uh, it was uh, about a little over a year ago, I started posting videos on TikTok and I po posted one video and it didn't do anything at all. And then I posted a second video and it didn't do anything at all. And, and I think at this point I had racked up like a whopping 17 followers. And then I posted just one of my dumb projects. It was this thing that I did for my family. And overnight, literally overnight, uh, I went from 17 followers to a million followers. And that oh. became this thing where people just started following me just to see dumb projects that I've done. So, um, so yeah, that's where, that's where I share all that stuff is, is on TikTok and, and occasionally Instagram and stuff like that. But it, it has been really funny to watch other people find it and be like, oh, I really like these dumb things that you do. And I'm like, oh, that's just... <laughs> I, that's just how I've always been. I've always been a guy who like has an idea and then it just gets in my head. And I talk about that in the book. You were mentioning um, when I pitched the idea of the Viking ship to my wife and she pointed that out. She said, oh, I can tell when you have an idea that like I can just tell you're going to do it anyways. And I that's not a thing that I recognized about myself. Uh, she had to point <laughs> that out. And I was like, no, I like if you say if you say no, I won't do it. And she was like, you think that that's true. And that's really adorable. But that's not true. Like you will just keep pestering until you do it. And then she mentioned that to my mom and my mom was like, oh, yeah, Kyle's always been like this. So um, it's it's apparently incurable. Feel like we Bill, appreciate that. It's Bill not. must have missed his calling. I feel like, don't you, Tracy? Yeah, I do. Actually, I do. In the book, you described, I can't remember the story. So I just want you to tell it really quick because I think it's really funny. When you were, I think, in school and you had a project to tell if you if you made a million bucks, what's the most ridiculous thing you would buy? Oh, no, we were just sitting around uh, talking. I think it was like at a campfire or something. I was just sitting around with some friends and they were talking about like, what would you do if you won a million dollars? And everyone was talking about like, oh, I would buy a Maserati or I would buy this a mansion or whatever. And I was like, <laughs> I just I immediately was crystal clear because I've been thinking about this for a long time that I would take uh, uh, one of my mom's horses and, oh, and yeah. paint it. Or no, I would buy a zebra that matched the size and shape of my mom's horse. I would paint it to match the horse. Then I would swap it with the horse and then I would just let it play out and see how long it took. Because like after, I don't know, depending on weather, a, a, a few days, a few weeks, something like that, the paint is going to come off. And then you're going to, it's just going to be like this horse that you've had forever is turning into a zebra. And that just seemed like the best way to spend the money to me. And my friends just were like, oh, okay, I would buy a Maserati. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I've actually recently, like within, since between the time I wrote the book and it came out, 
uh, Mr. Beast is like a YouTuber who gives away a ton of money all the time. And he did a video about like, if someone gave you a million dollars, what would you do? And I, I like spelled out that whole thing. And a bunch of people were like, this is the right answer. <laughs> like give this man the money. <laughs> it was so stupid. So I posted a picture of my Viking ship, which was little and it had an origami head. I posted all my fails of the origami head. There's, I learned a lot through that process, but when I posted the picture, I put it on Twitter and um, a friend of mine commented on the picture that, um, hey, you should read Daniel Pink's new book about regrets. And then somebody commented on his comment. Here's a commentary by Kyle Sheely about Daniel Pink's book, which is where I got in the intro that you may oh, or may not man. have a family curse over your head. Oh, Dan Pink. Uh, he, the thing about Dan Pink is that I... I have nothing, no, nothing but good things to say about Dan Pink. I haven't read all of his books, but I've read some of his books. And like, he is, he's a legend in what he does. All of his books are bestsellers for a reason. He's like an incredibly successful guy. I have nothing but goodwill towards Dan Pink. But uh, after I had already done the Viking ship, so I collected 21,000 regrets from people all over the world. And I wrote a book about it. And like the book, I had already written the book. Um, and, and there's just like a long time between when you turn in a manuscript and when the book comes out. So I was like in that waiting period. And then I think, I don't even remember why I think because I do some speaking stuff, I was just looking at other speakers' websites and Dan Pink is also a speaker. And I was scrolling through and it was like, check out Dan's new upcoming book. And it said like, Dan Pink asked people around the world to send in their regrets. And, and then he, he analyzed them. And I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> like, I, was just, I was like, you have got to be kidding me. And it was just so funny because I, like, I emailed my editor about it. I was like, what should we do about this? And he's like, oh, it'll be fine. But like, of course, then his book came out one week before my book. And so like all of the news outlets, if they had to choose between like, do we do a story about regret from this guy we've never heard of who made a Viking ship? Or do we do it about this guy who's like a multi-time, you know, New York Times bestselling author? So <laughs> it was wild. And and I the, the curse that I joked about was that I have a, um, I don't even know how he's related to me, but great, great, great uncle twice removed or something uh, was a guy named Carl Wilhelm Scheele. And he was a Swedish chemist and he was famous for discovering all of these different elements, one of which was oxygen. And he discovered it first. And then another guy discovered it and published his paper first. And so for a long time, that guy got credit for discovering oxygen. And it's only like relatively recently that they're like, no, actually the Scheele guy discovered oxygen. So, which doesn't seem like it would be that hard to discover oxygen. I mean, it's everywhere, but uh, but yeah, All so uh, apparently other people usurping, uh, you and publishing first is like my, my family curse. Oh no. It's so like in the nineties, there was like two volcano movies and two space movies and one's yeah. always reign supreme. And I mean, yeah, I it's, it's so weird how that happens. <laughs> and there's, uh, in, I think Liz Gilbert talks about that in big magic. And like, there's a bunch of like uh, uh, creative books where they talk about that, where there's just like, there's times when something is just like kind of in the zeitgeist and it just like, there's, uh, cause like the prestige came out at the same time as that other magic movie. Um, and like A Bug's Life and uh, Ants came out like at the yeah. same time. Like, there's all these things where it was like, oh, these two books or these two movies or whatever came out about seemingly the exact same thing. The thing about Dan Pink's book that was really funny uh, and I said this to that video, is it like that 
he's like, he's, he surveyed 15,000 people. I surveyed 21,000 people. He identified the four main types of regrets. I identified five main types of regrets. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. My book has more. It's better on all these measurable ways. Yeah. But, but it was so funny because at the end you're like, and what, what cool thing did he do with all these regrets? Oh, nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'm sure he, he probably built him into a Viking ship or something. Oh no. He just looked at him. Yeah. <laughs> So I well, hate we to read admit your this. book and not his. So it's true. I hate to admit this, but while you guys are thinking of all this cool stuff that came out at the same time in media and movies, I'm thinking about non-Euclidean geometry. I'm not going to go into detail, but there were three people who discovered it at the same time. And there's a whole story about that. But- yeah. There's a lot of that stuff around. I mean, like the, 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 the truth is, if my ancestor hadn't discovered oxygen, this other guy would have, you know, discovered and there were like two or three people that were all discovering it around the same time. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It was just it was in the water, I guess. I mean, it literally oxygen is literally in water. So that <laughs> probably led to the uh, to, fi- to the finding of it. Yeah. And, and I always like uh, try to point people towards the fact that he discovered oxygen because he also was like kind of crazy. He discovered a whole bunch of other stuff. He discovered tungsten. Uh, and, but he, he's really famous for this thing called Sheely's green, which was like a, uh, a pigment for, it was like, I guess a really cheap way of making green pigment mm-hmm. and people put it all over their walls and all over this stuff. And it had, I think it had arsenic in it. And so a lot of people like probably died or live shorter lives because of this color that my ancestor invented. So I'm always like, yeah, but he also discovered oxygen. So maybe let's, you know, let's think about that. It's less about this paint coloring that he discovered. Now I have to know, was there a really funny submission that somebody turned in or somebody just like plain messing with you, like obscene drawings or your mom jokes or anything ridiculous? Yeah. Oh, there were not, not so much your mom jokes, but there were like, there were, like I didn't realize this until my brother pointed it out to me, but one of the, uh, so there are a couple of people, I have a whole chapter in the book called No Regrets, and which was about like people would send in cards that said, I have no regrets. And there were a couple of people that said no regrets, like R-E-G-E-R-T-S or U-R-T-S. And one of them is this like kind of drawn out, like I don't, it almost looks graffiti-esque. And I have that in the book, like the drawing that this kid sent in And my brother was like, you know what this is, right? And I was like, no. And he sent me a picture and it's like a famous internet meme of like a tattoo that says no regrets. And this Mm. person had redrawn that tattoo like as it is like, and they sent it in and I didn't even know that that's what that was from. So there was some stuff like that, but the funniest ones were probably ones that like weren't supposed to be funny, but just I lacked the context to understand what they were talking about. And so one of them, like I realized that there's a certain like they're like a group of teenagers that uses the word clowns as like a vernacular term for just like, oh, these clowns like these like just these people who are goof- goofing around or not taking things seriously or whatever. Um, and th- I realized later that's what they meant, but there was one card that just said clowns. And I was, just, I was like, <laughs> Oh, this person wants to let go of clowns or that some clown, some traumatic memory in their past that happened with clowns. Um, so there was a lot of stuff like that, or, or somebody wrote bees, like their fear of bees. And I just thought like, that's, that's interesting to me. Like, Maybe they had some traumatic thing happen in their life, but that feels like of all of your life, if that's the thing that you're writing down, like your life must be going pretty well. <laughs> like uh, if, if the fear of bees is all that you've got, you know, weighing you down. 
large okay. groups of bees or small groups of bees or one bee <laughs> or yeah. one bee. Thank you. Hmm. So when I read that, um, I actually told uh, my boyfriend Dean about the whole no regrets thing. And he's like, it's like that tattoo. No regrets. You seriously had never seen that tattoo. I don't think so. Uh, or maybe I'd seen it. I, no, I'd probably seen it, but like, I didn't realize that he had just copied, like that somebody uh -huh. had drawn that, for, like the tattoo. I didn't re like remember what the type of the tattoo looked like or whatever. And I'm sure that there are multiple no regrets tattoos floating around the internet. Oh my so, God, you know um, there are. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah in that's, fact, that's I saw a Facebook post within the last week of a terrible tattoo and this guy was kind of proud of it. I think I couldn't tell if it was sarcasm, but I didn't repost it anywhere or comment on it. And I decided that made me a really good person. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. There's a soft spot in my heart for really bad tattoos. I, I don't know. I, I totally, I dig it. I love, I love that whole corner of the internet. And there was somebody recently, there was a TikTok video where somebody was talking, it was a tattoo artist. And um, they went around their tattoo studio and asked all the other artists, what is like the one tattoo that you're so sick of doing and you hope you never have to do again? And it was all like kind of Pinteresty tattoos that a lot of people come in and they're like, I want this. And they're like, oh, it means this, it has this deep meaning to me. And they're like, yeah, it had the deep meaning to the last 15 people that came in for that same tattoo or whatever. <laughs> and I had commented on, on that post and I was like, nobody, because all the artists were naming things like that. And I was like, none of these artists said that they regret uh, or they don't want to give out any more um, Tasmanian devil tattoos. Uh, and I was like, <laughs> or the, the peeing Calvin tattoos. I was like, those are still classics. Everybody still loves those. So it's funny. Uh, I feel like you can always tell when a tattoo artist started by however they answer that question, because there was like, there was a time when it was, Oh man, I don't ever want to do another Tasmanian devil tattoo or peeing Calvin tattoo. And now it's like, uh, you know, a bird made of uh, smaller butterflies or something like that. <laughs> I was thinking Tweety Bird when you were listing all those. I oh, like yeah. Tweety Bird was that same era. Yeah. Tweety yeah. Bird and, and Taz, man. Yeah. Um, they have really fallen from, from favor uh, the last couple of years. You're not seeing a lot of Tweety Bird, uh, even on the walls of the tattoo shop. You know, you can't pick those out off the walls anymore. Thank you. Have to, you have to print up your own picture. <laughs> BYOTB, bring your own Tweety Bird. <laughs> Well, this week, we want to challenge our listeners to host your own Viking funeral and, of course, share some pics with us by using the hashtag Siren Soapbox on all the social medias. Kyle, thank you so much for, join for joining us tonight. I loved reading your book and, and I love watching your videos. Thank you so much for sharing yourself with the world. You should tell our listeners where they can find you. Um, anywhere, uh, anywhere there is a, a, a URL social media thing or .com, just type in Kyle Sheely. It's just, uh, K-Y-L-E-S-C-H-E-E-L-E -E 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 on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok and just about anywhere else. Awesome. Sirens, this was a fun episode. My favorite part of this journey was a sense of community I felt when we were hosting our Viking funerals. So thank you for sharing your stories with us. And thank you, fellow explorers, for listening to this episode. Go ahead and click like and subscribe wherever you're listening right now. Then head over to our website, sirensoapbox.com. That's where you'll find the link to our YouTube videos of our Viking funerals for your visual pleasure. 
And you can also check out our blog while you're there and head over to our shop to grab some sweet Siren Soapbox merch. Until next time. Oh yeah, there they are. Until next time, (laughs) dive in, stay curious and be happy. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Siren Soapbox. And a special thank you to C-Strings for providing our music. Snag their latest EP from iTunes today. Follow the Sirens on all the social medias. And don't forget to tell your friends about us. Like and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll catch you next time on another episode of Siren Soapbox.